0: Well, welcome back to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and as always, it's a pleasure to have your company. Now, today I'm going to do um, an interview with uh, Rachel Collins-White, who's the head of the frontline services for the charity Unseen that deals with uh, modern slavery and human trafficking, is based in the West Country. Uh, Rachel, welcome to the programme. Hi,
1: David. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so... A lot of people around here know about Unseen, but probably lots of people listening here and abroad perhaps aren't aware of it. Would you just give us a little bit of a background to to it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Unseen were set up in 2008, and Unseen's mission is working towards a world without slavery. Um, And since 2008, we've really grown in many, many different ways. Um, So I suppose we have three... Um, main areas that we look at in order to kind of work towards work working uh, towards the world without slavery. So um, a key component of what we do is supporting survivors directly and um, mm-hmm. supporting potential victims as well. Um, and that's by providing access to a range of specialist services that we both deliver or other pro- providers deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have the Modern Slavery, slavery Helpline as well. Um, so we have the direct support to survivors, but we also then look to equip and upskill other stakeholders um, to be able to kind of respond to the needs um, that we see um, as well. So whether or not that's providing training um, to local authorities or other charities, um, that's something that we deliver. Um, but we also then provide advice and resources to businesses as well so that they can um, um, work better understanding um any potential risks within their supply chains um and all of that information as well um particularly what we learn directly from survivors and potential victims is around influencing systemic change as well Mm. so we use everything that we learn from our frontline teams and everything that survivors wish to share with us about what their experiences are that's everything from how they came to be exploited, their experience of support that they've received, what they feel that they need to move on. Everything we learn there um, feeds into research um, and lobbying that um, Unseen and many other organisations as well lead on to um, transform what, what is currently in place um, and how we can improve best practice around supporting Good. people. who Good work.
0: Yeah, Now, let me just say, for example, at the beginning here, that everything that we talk about or anything that's that's linkable, if you like, Mm -hmm. will be on the front page of the podcast, as usual. All the links that Rachel's talking about, all the things to do with Unseen, all the things to do with the work they're doing, lobbying, legislation, policies, whatever, we'll try and put on the front so that people can have easiest access to things that Rachel's going to be talking about. But before we do... Do you want to give us a little bit of a picture, Rachel, of um, the, the 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 situation in the UK to start with? Yeah, um, yeah. Just to take us through that a bit.
1: Yeah, and I think it's um, helpful to kind of think through kind of what modern slavery and human trafficking means as well. Um, I think if you, I think sometimes when you, you don't have the knowledge and the um, the background to it, it can kind of be hard to of really imagine actually how this plays out in the uk but it plays out in the uk it's a huge issue it's under reported um so modern slavery encompasses human trafficking slavery servitude and forced labor um, and that's all defined within the modern slavery act from 2015. um human trafficking um which obviously sits under modern slavery um that consists of three components so it's the action means and purpose of exploitation so you're thinking through then kind of what happens, how it happens and why it happens. Could you just, um, that
0: again, just repeat that yeah. again a little bit slower? That's okay so people get
1: the full impact of that. Yeah. So the human trafficking side. Mm, the three um, things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's based on three components. So action, means and purpose. Right. So the action side of things would be how somebody become um, comes to be um, exploited, mm-hmm. the means, so how they're moved, um, and then the purpose. So that's well, that depends on kind of the type of exploitation that will then follow. Um, it's important to distinguish as well that those three components must be present for adults to be considered to have been trafficked. Um, although the exploitation doesn't have to have taken place. It's just that intent. But where it's in relation to children, the means does not is not required as, mm. as, as a child cannot consent to being abused. Mm. So um, mm. that kind of gives you the, the framework, I suppose. Um, now, the exploitation can take many different forms um, within the UK. We recognize sexual exploitation, forced labor, domestic servitude, forced criminality, and the um, organ harvesting. Um, it's quite important to kind of identify that organ harvesting is uh, not very... Um, I don't think it comes up often at all, and where it has come up, that tends to have taken place outside of the UK, uh, but is then only found to have happened once people have arrived. Um, And I think, as you can see, from those types of exploitation, there's many different types of abuses that can kind of sit underneath that. Um, But we see these types of exploitation kind of play out across lots of different sectors in the UK. On that, just sorry, just briefly on that, would you say that a
0: kind of a thread, therefore running through it all, is the fact that in most cases, you're looking at both organised crime and financial advantage?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, everything Hmm. that, we learn from um modern slavery and human trafficking is that it's you know it's driven by finance um you know it's an economic crime of such you know people mm. are being exploited so others can earn an awful lot of money um you know it's very different com- from other types of crime in that you could repeatedly sell somebody mm. um so it, it, it is uh, highly profitable for those that that that, that, that do exploit um, and they're also exploiting people where you know they, it's perceived that there's already either pre-existing vulnerabilities or that people remain to be vulnerable, yeah, um, yeah. or that they're being exploited in ways that we just don't see. Um, I think that, particularly with domestic servitude, it's huge, hugely difficult to um, to find because it is you know taking place in people's private homes. Um, mm. So you know you can kind of yeah. even by looking at just one type of exploitation, you very quickly see. Um, the issues that we have and being able to reach those people that are being exploited. Um, can you give them? us some
0: overall figures? at all. Yeah, yeah. For sure. just, just so that the people listening can have a sense of the scale of things.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean mm-hmm. the figures, um, as we know, kind of uh, kind of the tip of the iceberg, I would say. Um I'll talk about some of the issues that we have around the figures shortly. Um, <laughs> but agree. the the system that the UK have for identifying and then providing support to victims is the National Referral Mechanism. So, yes, um, yes. always called the NRM. Yeah, we can um, call like, it the NRM.
0: <laughs> <no one> <laughs>
1: yeah. So. Um, that is basically both um, uh, yeah, an, a system for identifying and then providing that ongoing support to those that are waiting on decisions around their trafficking claim. Mm-hmm. So very handily, um, the data from last year has just come out. Um, so I think we had around 16,000 people identified. And of that number, only 12,727 potential victims were referred in. So that's kind of demonstrating it already that there's um, a cohort of people that aren't receiving support. Mm. Um, Usually that's because they're either um, not being um, supported to enter the NRM or they're not consenting to enter the NRM. So quite key for adults is that they have to consent to that referral to the national referral mechanism. In in the case of a child, they don't need to be, uh, don't consent to that. They can just be um, referred in through um, safeguarding measures. Um, so, of that 12,727, um, 77% were male, 23% were female. That's interesting. Um, That's, I'd, yeah. I'd
0: have probably, if you'd have asked me, I'd have probably said it would be the other way around. That's
1: interesting. And what, and what we've seen over the years hmm. is, is, is a shift in that. And a reason for that is that there's been such a, a huge increase in the reporting of um, forced labour. Ah, oh, see. Um, and okay. but I mean, interestingly, from that number as well, um, uh, fifty. Per- sorry, let me just check that. So the fifty percent were adults, mm. um, and then the remainder were children. So I think sometimes it can be quite. Um, confronting to realise how many children are actually uh, at risk of this abuse. Um, Can um, I just
0: dig a little bit, sorry, uh, I'll let you finish that in a second, but just before, I don't want to lose this, the idea of trying to mm -hmm. explain to people, as you said, you listed the sort of areas Mm -hmm. uh, where exploitation is taking place. Um, Some that I had really no real understanding of, you know, the kind of um, forced um, organ removal and so on. Mm -hmm. um all of that's an enormous scope of things that comes within your compass
1: yeah absolutely and I think I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges is that you know we're still learning an an awful lot about this as we go as well and I think you know you you see you see these differences in kind of themes and trends and where people are being exploited and how that's happening Mm -hmm. um so I think, particularly where you see that shift in data as well, David, from from the NRM, yeah. you know, historically I'd say uh, sexual exploitation and therefore then um, women. That's not to say that men haven't been um, abused, but proportionally more mm-hmm. is women. Um, that was probably one of the, the main themes that you would see from the data. But where we've then seen a focus on understanding the abuses that happen through forced labour. That's where we've then seen the shift towards that. And then obviously that bigger representation of male. Now, particularly for children, um, Mm. the issues that we're seeing around um, criminal exploitation and county lines um, is something that's then been shown through the data as well. So that's that's a real issue that everybody that's working within um, support services is facing at the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the past, just the last podcast that I did, my guest was Christina. Gavitas, who's just written some various books and is working with several police and crime commissioners to distribute to primary school children books about county lines, grooming, mm-hmm. et cetera, which is quite a good initiative. But I mean, it's absolutely spread like wildfire across the country in the last decade or so. Um, OK, look, you, you Unseen runs safe houses as well, don't you? Yeah. Uh, uh, We're survivors. um can go. Do you want to say a, not only a little bit about that but also a little bit about the kind of stories of the people that you look after?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we um we um provide a, a few different types of support services. So we started with our women's safe house. Um we then added kind of outreach support to that. So that's where survivors would be based in the community or would have alternative accommodation or risk levels weren't deemed to need safe houses and then we um sub- subsequently added sa- um, safe house provision for men as well mm-hmm. um, so i think it'd be fair to say that you do see different responses to trauma within those services um that could be down to the types of exploitation that that someone's experienced um so at the women's safe house i you know i think we do see um, kind of a higher need for kind of grounding support and, and immediate kind of mental health support, mm-hmm. to kind of process, kind of well to, to help somebody start to process. I wouldn't kind of say that anything is completely mm-hmm. resolved while people were with us. You know, recovery mm-hmm. does take an incredible amount of time. Um, but I think, particularly for the women, you know, the complexities that come with, you know, the abuses that happen around sexual exploitation, it's incredibly challenging for women to kind of start thinking through that they're now safe, that they're now secure, and kind of what can we help them build towards. Um, The Men's Safe House is slightly different in that we do see kind of an over, mainly reported kind of forced labour. So, you know, the the drivers that have um, led to to men um, being forced to work, but then also the fact that they still want to work. It's it's a different type of support that we then provide them. And then outreach provides a more another different approach that we need to take because then we've kind of got so many different experiences in many different parts of the southwest where people have very varied needs and um, so that kind of does present a different challenge to the team as well but I think you know where we talk about the types of sectors where people are exploited and you know when we talk about I suppose you know abuses that might happen within agriculture for example you know one of the women that have been at the safe house, that, that was kind of the background to her abuse. And, you know, she's always talked about the fact that she finds it so shocking that people saw her, saw her working in the fields. They saw a huge group of people that wore the same clothes that slept in container tanks that clearly didn't look well, look, like they were well looked after. She, I think she still kind of grappled with that, that people would walk by and see that yeah. and not challenge or not say anything. And I think you know when you kind of learn those experiences from survivors when they share their stories you know we're really kind of aware of it and you know you kind of see it in so many different areas but I think you know one thing that I would say for people that listen to that podcast is that you know be be alert think about those indicators how are people being looked after what is their body language like you know there's there's so many things that could indicate that something's not quite right there. There's a um, massive
0: amount of triggers, in effect. Yeah. I've been looking at your website. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. That But that's also, I think, quite good because if people do just spend a few minutes thinking about it and looking at the work that you're doing and all the lists of kind of trigger points, if you like, that they might notice that might cause cause for concern. I think that's terrific on, on on your site, like some of the things you were saying, and also people appearing frightened, people fearing of violence, can't go around, they're always with somebody else, forced to stay here, forced to wear the same clothes, looking disheveled, not making eye contact, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think it's very important for people to sort of think about when they see people in their community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many touch points within services potentially as well. So, you know, GP practices... Um, as a key point kind of um, contact with immigration services as well so there's 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 those opportunities and I think it's about making sure that you know services but also the general public as well are, are, are kind of aware of what those opportunities could look like and I suppose fundamentally then where they can go to for support um, even if there's just something that they're unsure about so the Modern Slavery Helpline is um, staffed 24-7 anybody can call professionals, uh, general public maybe somebody that Um, is in um, a position of exploitation themselves. And, you know, we have had an instance where um, a Vietnamese man had contacted the Modern Slavery Helpline. Um, The Modern Slavery Helpline then coordinated with local police forces to get that guy out of that situation. And then um, the the man then came to our men's safe house. So it just kind of shows how that um, end-to-end identification and support has then kind of played out um so yeah we'd yeah. definitely recommend having the modern slavery helpline number to hand it will um, be
0: prominent on, on yeah, the, the 08000 number will be prominent on the front of this podcast brilliant thanks david um but look okay before we get back to kind of people what they can do what individuals listening can do or their organisations to, to support unseen let, let, let's just talk big picture for a second then we this blooming nationality and borders bill that's dragging its way through Parliament at the moment, what would you like to say about that?
1: Um, yes, yeah, so obviously, unseen and a number of um, anti trafficking organisations have been very vocal about our opposition to the nationality to borders bill. Um, it's not going to do anything to help potential victims or survivors. Um, if anything, it's going to make it worse. Um, it's, it's going to further add to the hostile environment. It's going to exacerbate the issues of modern slavery, and it's going to leave more people vulnerable to exploitation. So, you know, the new border controls won't cut trafficking. Um, a lot of um, people referred into the NRM are um, people that either can be here legitimately or are UK nationals as well. Mm. Um, so, it's a, I suppose it's a misconception that um, all of the um, people referred in. Um, our migrants um and many of the people, as I said that we um support our u k nationals as well, so you know even that at its core it's it's difficult to see kind of the the rationale for the nationalities and borders, but in that respect, so um we are yeah lobbying as much as we can um you're very disappointed with it aren't you yeah definitely and i think particularly part five um focuses on modern slavery and um human trafficking as well so and i think a, a key thing for this as well is there there's no data to support what the government are saying as well in relation to um a view that people are using the national referral mechanism uh, uh, abusing it i suppose as a way to kind of stay in the country and it's just not the case so you know, where there's been a positive decision around someone's human trafficking claim. Um, you know, that's onwards of 90%, and that's a home office system that is um, reviewing people's um, claims and making that decision. So we're, we're struggling to kind of see where those abuses are, are kind of being played out. Yeah, I can understand
0: that. I mean, I've been talking yeah. to people uh, on the borders and countries bordering Ukraine, um, and, and that kind of flood, of refugees that are leaving Ukraine, there are going to be hundreds, if not thousands, who are vulnerable and come here as well. And they will add to the concerns of people trying to protect the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and unseen's going to be one of them. But, I mean, essentially, it's, it's not the right time for this legislation in its present form to happen. It just really does need... Um, much, much more improvement, I believe. But there we are. I, I think you would agree with that, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have just had the, the fears that it's just going to drive everything underground. You know, um, people are going to be pushed further away from um, reaching out for support. Um, so it's just going to play into the hands of the, of the traffickers, basically. And I think... So that, that that's one of the, the key issues that we're working on at the moment. And I think that kind of also feeds into the need for reform around the nrm as well so um, mm. I th- over the years there's been a number of changes that have um, been added to i suppose the process of support that survivors are, are, are given when they're in the nrm mm. um, a lot of that has been around kind of move on support so once they receive their traffic and decision um whether that's a positive or a negative there's different kind of support pathways from that um, so there's something about kind of adding bolt-ons of support to a system that's already flawed <laughs> um so our view is that it does need kind of wholesale um review. surprise
0: surprise so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean look i i mean I understand that you know unsteam is
0: a core group of people lobbying and networking with other agencies, keeping relationships multi you know with multi kind of um Agency kind of workers on this as well, but at the same time you do operate an outreach service, don't you? Yes. um do you, do you want to just say a little bit about how that works? And, and do you need more support? Do you need more help? Do you need more volunteers? I mean, get, tell us what your shopping list is.
1: Yes, yeah, so but our outreach service has grown massively over the last uh, last year. Um, so the numbers of people referred into our support have doubled, um, and this is a service where we don't have a waiting list, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. thing to say when Terrific. people are coming through, um, you know, it's very responsive and, and we grow as I suppose the numbers that are being referred into grow. Um, we operate kind of across the whole of the southwest and that's once again kind of impacted where we've worked this, even this year. Um, generally, where we're focused and support has completely changed. So we've got more presence in Wiltshire, Devon south gloucestershire north somerset um and that support i mean essentially we're providing the same support that we would in the safe houses but our response to risk and how we help manage that in the community is entirely different and you know there is a huge focus on multi-agency support there as well but in addition to the support that has to be covered under the national referral mechanism you know we also mm. look to provide more holistic wellbeing being support resettlement support through kind of um linking in with education employment and training and that is the key part i think actually um support needed around helping people you know kind of build up those skills that are going to mean that actually when they leave the nrm and when they get their immigration decisions or if they choose to stay in the uk or if they return to their their home country they they're taking with them skills and knowledge that will minimize the risk of re-exploitation which which is terrific Yeah. just just on the volunteers
0: for a second there the outreach i mean you, you provide training, i presume
1: uh, yes yeah
0: i mean and 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 presumably you're still you're always looking for suitable volunteers
1: well at the moment, um all of the support is delivered with with our outreach team, but we are kind of looking to kind of grow um okay. support okay. we can have through volunteers, but I would say. You know um all of the additional activity that we do so that includes the modern slavery helpline which doesn't receive Mm. any government funding by the way um um and then also the additional support that we provide around um the national referral mechanism support um that's something that we're always looking to develop in response to kind of what survivors are telling us that they need and i think that's the key thing where we look at need and reform around the nrm or actually how we develop our services we need to hear from survivors about what they need, not what the NRM kind of puts in place for them. And it's things um, that have
0: gone on for years, isn't it? Because I, be- I believe that nearly 50% of um, uh, of individuals who got in touch with the National Withdrawal Mechanism say they were um, exploited as children.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's... It kind of just shows the scale of the issue as well um that you know people are either suffering abuses as a child which then follows through to adulthood um but I think the it just it just really kind of paints an issue that you know it's not it's it's not a static issue it kind of sits across so many different areas and so many different services and as I said David we're kind of continuously learning about it as Mm. well um so I think I I suppose a call to kind of any professionals or public that would listen to the the podcast as well is to really do as much as you can to understand the possible indicators that um, might be present for for where you might work, um, but also kind of what reporting steps you can follow. So, um, you know, are you a first responder that can complete an NRM? Referral. Um, can you complete a duty to notify? Um, can you just contact the modern slavery helpline and just say, I, I think there's something not quite right here. Um, I just kind of want to talk to somebody about this. All of that support is out there um to, to reach out to and, and report report concerns. And we do also have a, an app that can be downloaded onto your phone and all of that information will just be in your hand. Right. Um, well,
0: I was going to ask you, but you've, you've virtually done it already. And terrific. <laughs> thanks. No, I was going to say we've got about two or three minutes left. And I was going to ask you just to get to, to list some of the things that are important to you. But one of the things that you said there you know, resonates with me throughout the whole uh, of the issue of exploitation, whatever it is. And that is don't try and do anything yourself. Share it. So yes. phone the helpline, get in touch through the national mechanism, talk to a colleague, you know, and and, and, you know, if, and actually make decisions together as to whether or not your, your inkling or your worry or your concern about people or groups or individuals within your community actually uh, is valid. And so um, I think to my mind, it's if you've got any worries at all, check it out. Would that be fair?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I would say is, I mean, a call to a a helpline is never going to harm. And, you know, you might not have full information, it might not feel like you've got much information. But actually, when you talk that through with somebody, um, it paints a bit of a clearer picture about Hey, what's kind of going on here? Is there risk? Is, is this right? Is this sitting right? And, you know, there's a, a very qualified advisor at the end of that line who's able to kind of help you think through some of that. Um, we're able to refer that information on as needed. And it might not be that you have all of the information, but that will then go on to police forces, which might help build a picture around an individual, around an address, around a, a, a business. So, all of that can help inform um, a wider picture.
0: Great. Right. Well, now, Rachel, look, um, I That's just want to be sure that we remember that everything um, will be there for people to double-check on the front of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will. I'll make this guarantee. I will be returning to unseen at some point in the future just to see how things are going. I'm also sure, I know that the Home Office... Gives you some funding, which really is helpful. But at the same time, I'm sure you've got a shopping list if anybody else wanted to um, continue to donate because you are a charity and um, essentially you rely on um, donations as well as um, as as well as actual sort of central funding to to maintain the work you do so. Yes, give lots of money to Unseen. I suppose that's a good message, isn't it?
1: I mean, any way that people can contribute, obviously it's um, absolutely fantastic. It allows us to build up um, a better quality of service. It allows us to, um, you know, look into new roles where we look at uh, policy and research and um, how we can really um, lobby for change um, within the systems that are set up. It allows us to be able to, to provide more and do better. And as I said, with the referrals that we're receiving in, this is only continuing to increase and it's only continuing to increase in terms of the complexities that we see as well. So um, I suppose not to sound too pessimistic, but the, the picture isn't looking better. And I think when we've got, got that with the context of the nationalities and borders bill as well, it's only going to make things worse. Um, so any way that people can help, of course, will be massively appreciated by a certain scene.
0: Well, Unseen's had 14 years of... Um growth development and um, information gathering so they are I would suggest a very mature and worthwhile organization to listen to so anyway Rachel Collins-White thank you very much indeed for being a guest on the program today and I sincerely wish you all the very best in the future because I do think you've got your work cut out.
1: Yeah brilliant thanks David.